is a very good afternoon. It's Niall Boylan with you once again this afternoon. Now, if I look out the window outside, I would be fooled into thinking that there was something wrong with the 6-1 news every evening. Because I see rain, and I think it's about 14 degrees or something in and around that anyway. And it's not that warm. I don't see the global warming. And if global warming increases the temperature today, well, I'd say bring it on. Because I kind of need it. I'm joking, of course. Uh, I, like everybody else, care about the planet. And I, like everybody else, recycle. And I, like everybody else, you know, I care about the trees, I care about the forests, I care about all the rainforests, I care about the animals in the world, I make sure we treat them properly. But do I care about climate change? Yes, of course I care about climate change. Is it going to affect me in my lifetime? Probably not. I'm 59 years of age. Is the world going to end in the next five years? Well, Greta said it would. She said five years ago it was going to end in five years' time, but then again, it didn't. So she deleted those tweets again. Of course, her synopsis was, and her hypothesis was, that according to other experts, the polar ice caps would melt, and we'd be all flooded within five years. That was 2018. I've heard those stories for the last 50 years. If it wasn't a hole in the ozone layer, it was acid rain. If it wasn't acid rain, it was Al Gore telling us we were all going to die. But of course, the latest is climate change. Nobody is denying climate change, by the way, because if you even want to talk about it or you even want to debate the hypotheses of what is responsible for climate change, you will be called a climate denier. Last night on our main news channel, on a national news station, we were told there was a level of urgency and we need to stop denying. That's what we were told. And if we don't stop denying, we're all going to die. That's not exactly the way they worded it, but there was a level of emergency that we have to reach net zero by 2050. We have to reach our targets by 2030 to reduce CO2. And if we don't get rid of fossil fuels, we're all going to die. Well, they didn't use the word die. But one man who's a very intelligent man, and he was a co-founder of Greenpeace, and he's been working, you know, on the environmental movement or with the environmental movement for 50 years. He's the chair and chief scientist of the Green Spirit Strategies, a consultant focusing on environmental policy and communications in forestry, agriculture, fisheries, Mining, biodiversity, energy, and climate change. But a very eminent, clever man. And he joins me now, Dr. Patrick Moore. Patrick, good afternoon to you. It's lovely to speak to you, finally. Hi, Niall. Good to be here. I want to go right back in time, if I can, uh, before we come to the emergency, inverted commas, and I go right back in time. And I can remember watching documentaries on television about Greenpeace when I was young, a younger man. And at that time, Greenpeace was all about going out in boats and saving whales and, you know, these trawlers that were coming out to capture whales and they'd be chasing them around harbours and around seas. I'm assuming that's the time when you were involved with Greenpeace. I was involved more or less from the beginning, Niall, 1971. Mm -hmm. uh, a group of, of us started meeting in the basement of the Unitarian Church in Vancouver, British Columbia, to go on a voyage across the sea uh, to bear witness to the hydrogen bomb tests of the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission. And this was the height of the Cold War, the Vietnam War, and the beginning of the environmental movement. So it was a pretty amazing time. I was doing my PhD in ecology at the University of BC at the time, and I decided I'd like to, instead of just reading and studying, to get up and do something real. And I joined this group and I went on that boat uh, and we stopped the hydrogen bomb testing program of the United States of America mm -hmm. from Vancouver, Canada 
sailing a small fishing boat across the ocean. So it it proved that if you got up and did something, rather than just talking or going to a meeting or whatever, that you could accomplish a miracle. And because this this was the most powerful organization in the in the world, the United States Atomic Energy Commission, blowing off these five megaton hydrogen bombs up in the Aleutian Islands, uh, where where one of the mistakes they made was they were doing it closer to Japan, Russia, and Canada, uh, with the exception of Alaska, uh, to their own country. I remember that. Which, I do remember that. And and, and, and so. The dangers involved in that as well. The dangers involved, the environmental catastrophe that was involved in doing that. But they didn't seem to realize that at the time. By the way, how how was all that, because obviously there was a lot of work to be done from you guys, how was all that funded at the time? Was it just donations? It was funded solely by donations, and it wasn't that much money, actually. Mm -hmm. we, we we leased a boat, a, a halibut boat for $20,000, and uh, the, the, everything else was free. Uh, we, we were all volunteers. Uh, these days, you know, Greenpeace has uh, how many millions coming in? Uh, they're like a bunch of college kids on a summer cruise compared to what we were doing. They're, they they are really not doing anything anymore except raising funds, raising money. Well, that was, the, that was the, the kind of foundation for the word green to be used in politics, I suppose. And and I, I think when you decided it was time to, you know, not be involved with them anymore. It was the time when it became political, I suppose. Um, in other words, it was moving away and shifting away from its original purpose. So what was the purpose? Or what was the point where you said, I'm out of here? It wasn't so much moving away from the purpose. It was moving away from the truth. So you had a situation where we started out against nuclear weapons, nuclear testing and nuclear war, the threat of nuclear war. Uh, we moved on then to save the whales. And mm -hmm. actually half of our uh, members left. They couldn't understand why anybody would want to save whales. Mm -hmm. But it was really a very important thing because it, green and peace were putting those two words together was actually very s fundamental to the idea that we are part of nature, that uh, that that. And, and, and that war is evil. Uh, so it, 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 it was a powerful movement in, in that sense. And going, going to save the whales, there were, there were still 30,000 whales being slaughtered every year in the North Pacific by Japan and Russia. And we went out and got in front of the harpoon. I remember that. To stop. And it worked. Mm -hmm. uh, just like it had with the nuclear tests. It was it was in interesting. It was President Nixon who is is you know not exactly deified in historical terms. No, certainly uh, who, who ended the nuclear tests of the United States Atomic Energy Commission. He he made that decision, and 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 in the case of the Russian and Japanese whaling, it was an international decision by the International Whaling Commission, which is part of the UN uh, structure, that ended. The, the killing of thousands of whales every year. And then we moved on to the baby seals. And that that really made us famous and brought in a lot of money. It's interesting in that that wasn't really an environmental issue so much as it was a moral issue. Mm -hmm. uh, slaughtering 
hundreds of thousands. I remember. Of I remember those issues. I, I or the images, should I say? I remember those videos or movies. They would have been videos of the time, but I do remember those. You know those images of the guys beating the baby seals, the little white seals at the time. Uh, I can still remember those images, and I remember Greenpeace being involved in that. So, where after the seals? Was that your time to go, or was that what happened then after that point? Were they running out of causes? No, actually, after that, we took on what was one of the most serious issues from a science environmental point of view, and that is toxics. Putting waste into the environment that mm. damaged living things. And so we, we, we hired a boat to go up the rivers in Europe. It, it, the United States and Canada, interestingly, had already passed pretty good legislation against dumping toxic waste into the environment. But Europe had not, nor Asia or most of the rest of the world. So we took on, the, the, with the river boat we had called the Beluga, which is after the name of the, that white whale, mm -hmm. the Arctic, uh, we took on that cause and... The, the rivers of Europe were pretty much dead in the 1970s because of factories <clears throat> putting pipes underwater into rivers, putting their waste into the rivers. The Thames was dead, the, the Rhine was dead, the Elbe was dead, and all most of the other rivers. They just mm -hmm. hardly had any life left in them because of factory wastes going into the, those rivers and out into the ocean beyond. And we took that on. And, and today, the rivers are alive. Those rivers have fish in them and other life in them that didn't exist there because of the Industrial Revolution. And it mm -hmm. went back a long ways, hundreds, a couple so, hundred years. So when was the point when you decided, I've had enough of these guys? I, I, I'm <clears throat> when, they took, when, when they took the toxics thing beyond truth, and it was... The campaign to ban chlorine worldwide was the okay. sharp end of the stick. Like already Greenpeace had morphed from wanting to save life uh, and, and, and had decided that humans were the problem. So all of a sudden humans became evil because of what we were doing. Like, but we're just another species. I mean, we're, you know, it, it was too much like original sin for me when the environmental movement went from wanting to do positive things to to help the environment into deciding it was because humans were evil that uh, this was the problem. And so, so, but that's a philosophical point. It, it, well, it's look, not a, as human beings, we pollute. We are going to pollute. Now, we have to pollute in the most positive way we can possibly pollute. But we will always pollute, just like every animal in the animal kingdom pollutes the air pollutes the ground and pollutes everything that we touch. So we we do have waste and we have to get rid of it, but we need to do it in the best possible way that we can do that. So Precisely. you felt, yeah, so you felt that, you know, no matter what we did as human beings, we were being blamed for it and that it had turned against, I suppose, nature rather than, you know, I suppose human beings can do things that are, you know, ridiculously stupid by times. Um, you know, and that was what Greenpeace were there. That was what's what they stood for but it turned against just human beings doing what became natural to them, I suppose. Well, no, but there there were negative things that humans did that we stopped, that we... Yeah, of learned, course, yeah. Learned, but it, this was 
sort of as if humans are fundamentally evil mm. it, it at a philosophical level rather than just some toxic chemical going into the environment and then uh, my fellow directors i was one of six international directors from when we started greenpeace international in 79 when <clears throat> that's a long story but it was a political uh yeah. evolution uh suddenly my fellow directors decided we should have a campaign to ban chlorine worldwide now that's not a general situation that's a very specific thing they were saying that chlorine is the devil's element and polyvinyl chloride pvc or otherwise known as vinyl is is an evil substance it was like putting morality into reality and the, the fact is <clears throat> polyvinyl chloride and chlorine are hugely useful uh materials and and as as chlorine is a chemical it's used to kill things that will kill us it's a mm -hmm. of course disrespect. that's why it's used and, in every it's used in every swimming pool in the world exactly and so mm -hmm. chlorine was actually one of the most important elements for public health and medicine we a lot of our medicine medical uh, substances that we use to cure ourselves contain chlorine and the idea that chlorine should be banned worldwide that's what they said my fellow directors adopted a policy with a vote in the meeting of the international directors of which i was one to ban chlorine worldwide so that's why i had to get out that was the sharp end of the stick it was bad enough that they had decided that humans were fundamentally evil <laughs> which is how you would interpret what they were what we were doing at the time and then they just turned into a fundraising machine and now they're just like a racket uh selling junk science and and floating around on a 32 million dollar boat uh doing more or less nothing of any use to anybody anymore uh if you just look at what they're actually doing you know instead of what they're saying they're saying we are wonderful and we are saving the world but they're not really doing much of anything useful anymore. And so I left in 1986, after 15 years in the top committee, the only person with a PhD in ecology or science of any kind in the organization at that time, because it, it attracted people mm -hmm. who wanted power. And I think uh, <clears throat> that the, you know, at, power corrupts and, and and absolute power corrupts absolutely uh is a very important point to look at in history because many organizations follow that same path they start with noble intentions they become successful and then they be become corrupt by the love of money and we power see, we, we've and, seen that more recently with social media companies as well but in, in relation to i suppose your life's mission or where your life's mission is now when we look at the world around us and just before we came on air we had we were chatting and you were talking about you know you're kind of worried about the world around you when you see the world around you and you see what we're being told currently at the moment now you're going to have to explain this to me like i'm an idiot because i'm not a scientist i'm not a climate scientist although i believe the word climate scientist is a very all-encompassing word because there are many different types of climate scientists and we're told 
that 98% of climate scientists, which is a quote by originally by Obama, I think, and I don't think he got it from a website or something like that, agree that humans are responsible for the end of this planet if we continue down the path we're going. I personally don't believe that figure of 98% that humans are responsible. I think you would agree that climate is changing, and we'll go into that more deeply in a second. I'm sure you would have all the information on that. But where we come into it as human beings, we're back to where we started with 10 minutes ago with Greenpeace, blaming human beings for, for just existing. And that seems to be what's happening at the moment. And I think that's what worries you. Yes, that is the problem, is the philosophical point that humans are fundamentally bad for the earth or nature or whatever you want to call this situation that we happen to be in that we are the only evil species, that everything else is good. And it, 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 it's just fundamentally ridiculous. We're not evil by, by nature. There are bad people who murder each other and et cetera and, and burn down buildings. And it seems as, as though the good people are all doing the bad things. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, it's, it's really hard to, for me as an objective scientist person, to accept what's going on right now, because so much of it is so completely off the rails, uh, just completely. But, but here's the thing: you won't be funded. Uh, when I say you won't be funded, I don't know how you fund yourself. Uh, maybe you you can tell us that yourself in your own time if you want to. But the problem is that I see at the moment: if you're a climate scientist, a climatologist, an oceanographer, whatever it happens to be, and you're on the right side of the debate, in other words, you're saying that humans are responsible you'll get funding from the state to prove that in some way, some sort of hypothesis. But if you're on the other side of the debate and you say, well, hold on for a second, I don't believe humans are responsible for this. I'm not denying that it's happening and it'll happen over the long term and it'll come back again. But I want to prove that. Can I have funding, please? You're not going to get funding for that. Well, that is the nub of the issue, is that the people who are saying that humans are causing catastrophic climate change and that we're all going to die are receiving money from the state and that's because politicians are ordering their bureaucrats to give money to people who will say that and that's the quiet part of all this the rest of it comes to the fact that a, a paper is published saying that the world is coming to an end and that goes in the media and so the media and the politicians then have something to campaign about. Uh, it, it, is, it is almost as if the wonderful civilization that we have created has come back to bite us with the technology that we have created. And I don't know how to explain this any other way. Uh, it's, 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 it's absolutely stupid to say that 98% of climate scientists, which is a term that doesn't mean much of anything in the first place, right? There's no, climatology is an invented word. I mean, the climate is so complex. It has to do with the sun. It has to do with the whole earth, all of life and nature, all of physics and all the biology and all the chemistry. Uh, it, it, it isn't really a correct term. But I can sum it up by saying anybody who calls carbon dioxide carbon 
should be dismissed summarily and immediately because scientists don't call things the wrong name when it's a chemical of some sort. And carbon dioxide is not carbon. Carbon is an element, one of the 98 or so that exist on the earth. And so it would be like calling water hydrogen. Why don't we call water hydrogen? It's H2O. Mm -hmm. No, we don't call water hydrogen. We call it H2O or water. And that's what's going on right now is that we are being lied to with words that are being used to mean things that are absolutely imbecilical. Where do the, they get the, where do they get that 98% from? Where did this it came from a website I believe which had published from papers a paper that was written by a woman in the United States and it is complete balderdash. It is not true. Uh, I'm a director of the CO2 coalition, the carbon dioxide coalition, not the carbon coalition. And the the CO2 coalition has a Nobel laureate named John Clauser who won the physics prize the Nobel Physics Prize in 2022. That is one year ago. The 2023 one hasn't been named yet. So he is the most recent Nobel Prize recipient for science and for physics. Physics is something that almost nobody even understands. So because it, it's full of formulas that you can't even read. And he has been banned from speaking just the other day to the International Monetary Fund, two days before he was to speak, he was banned. And that's what's happening. People are being banned all over. I'm being banned. And yet I do have to have 155,000 followers on Twitter and growing all the time. But they try to suppress me at any level they can. And but, that but, is but, we saw, but we saw that during COVID as well. Anybody who even suggested that we shouldn't be in the panic that we're in, um, you know, I mean, we all knew within six months, well, any intelligent person would have known within six months that we needed to protect people who were over 70 because it was more dangerous than the flu or slightly more dangerous than the flu. And those under the age of 70 were at less risk than the flu. So that was a well-known fact after about six yeah. months. But yet we carried on. Ireland actually... I'm not too sure how familiar you are with Ireland. We had the second longest lockdowns in the world. And, you know, even when everybody else was getting back to normal, we were still running around, lockdown with masks on us, being told we can't go six kilometres past our, ho our homes. And we now know, of course, and I don't want to go too deep into COVID, but we now know, of course, with the evidence and all the papers that have been published more recently, that lockdowns served little or no purpose whatsoever because the virus has to spread. We also know that it came from the lab. Well, that has been the suggestion now. And by the way, anybody who suggested that two years ago was banned from Facebook. And, and now we know that's, that could most possibly be true. But is it the same now? that? And we saw the characters at that particular time here in Ireland. You saw it in America with Fauci. We saw it across the world with the, you know, with the WHO. Here in Ireland, we had our own scientists, three or four of them, who are quite prominent on television you know, who were making quite a substantial amount of money, you know, telling us all we were all going to die. Um, <laughs> I, I keep using that term, we're all going to die. But it, that's kind of what it is, this kind of scare tactic, uh, you know, to get you to, I suppose, comply and go along with it. Because, of course, you want to hedge your bets. You don't want to die. Nobody wants to die. So is it the same thing that we're doing now? We've got to run out of steam on COVID. That's gone. Let's move on from that one. And now we got the newspapers. Only recently, of course, we've had the high temperatures in Europe.
And some of the headlines in the newspapers were astronomical. There was one headline in our main newspaper last week that said, woman burns the soles of her feet in 50 degree heat in Gran Canaria. This was on the 17th of June. I checked the temperature in Gran Canaria in the Canary Islands. It was 27 degrees. It wasn't 50 degrees. But yet they can get away with these headlines, which scare the living daylights out of people and could just kind of make it up as you go along. And we've seen the maps change from nice colours. When I was a kid, if it was a sunny day, the weather forecast would have these little smiley faces with the sun and ice cream cones in places where it was nice and warm. Now we've got kind of red colours and pinks and dark blacks if you're going to, you know, really feel the heat. Is, is that exactly what we're doing again there? We're just trying to scare people into complying. Precisely. I imagine it's gone down through the ages that uh, powerful people, however they managed to get the power, I'm not quite sure, uh, but maybe it was just because they were good at scaring people. There's There's been people standing on soapboxes in, in town squares all through history proclaiming the end of the world. The end is nigh. <laughs> the this end is nigh. No different than that. And you'd think that halfways intelligent people would recognize that the world has not yet come to an end, despite eons of predictions of such a thing occurring. And it, 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 it that's why I, I titled my book, my, my most recent book is titled Fake Invisible Catastrophes and Threats of Doom. Threats of doom have been going on since the beginning of time, and doom has yet to come. And so if doom doesn't come 40 times, 40,000 times in a row, why would you expect the next prediction of doom to come true? So you'd think an intelligent human being would have figured that out by now, that doom has not yet come, and it's not going to come because of climate change. But they, they, they say denier to in to actually associate us who do not believe that the earth's climate is going to kill us all sometime soon they use that because of holocaust denier that term and holocaust denier was ascribed to a lot of people who weren't actually denying that there was a holocaust and it's still the same today we're i'm not predicting the the holocaust yet i'm called a denier just a denier, as if I'm denying everything almost, as, as if it's a generic term of some sort. It I'm one be, of the most optimistic people would, in the world. It would be fair to say that the climate of the world, or the planet, is going to kill us all at some point. Uh, possibly, but depending on the technology we, we develop over the next few thousand years, we may be able to develop domes that we all live in uh, when the climate does eventually change. Because the climate has changed over the last god knows how many million years 300 million years ago you know of course we had you know ice ages as far as i remember um as far as i know we're still exiting an ice age of some description i mean so the climate will kill us all eventually unless we figure out a way for it not to do so so you're not a climate denier because you don't deny the climate is changing do you no so but they say that as if that's true the fact is there are two truths that blow the whole thing out of the water. First, we are in an ice age now. This is the place to see an ice age. Look it up. It is cold now. That's why both poles have huge amounts of ice on them. There were hundreds of millions of years where there was no ice on either pole. For hundreds of millions of years at a time, 
the most recent ice age before this one ended 250 million years ago. It was called the Karoo. Look it up. K-A-R-O-O ice age. We are now in the Pleistocene ice age. P-L-E-I-S-T-O-C-E-E-E-N-E. This is the Pleistocene ice age. We're in an interglacial period, one of 40, which have occurred during the Pleistocene Ice Age. This is one of the coldest periods in Earth's recent history. It was from 50 million years ago during the Eocene, E-O-C-E-N-E, look it up, Eocene warm period, where it was really warm. There was no ice anywhere. Life thrived through that. The Canadian Arctic islands had giant camels roaming forests. Up until about 5 million years ago, when it continuously got colder for 50 million years and went into the Pleistocene Ice Age 2.6 million years ago, since then there's been 2.6 uh, million years ago. Since then, there's been 40 interglacial periods abruptly you know, mm -hmm. five million years ago, the Earth was colder than it is now, but it's gone through these cycles 40 times. It's all recorded. It's in my presentation. It's in my book, Fake Invisible Catastrophes and Threats of Doom. Well, well so really, is, I mean, it is fair to say we will get to a point, you know, in the climate of the world when the climate changes so much that we, unless... We figure out a way, you know, to put domes over us. I'm sure I mean, technology no, in the future. No, that's that, not that we'll, true. That we'll die. Nile. That's not true, Niall. There's no evidence that that's going to happen. What Right now, we are still getting colder as each glacial maximum occurs. The most recent glacial maximum occurred about 20,000 years ago. We came out of that for a period of 10,000 years into this interglacial period called the Holocene. The one before this was called the Enian. And there was one before that and before that and before that and for that 40 times. During so, why, so why, if you say it's getting colder, and I've no doubt looking out the window at the moment, by the way, it's the middle of summer, it's not very warm here. But if you say it's getting colder, why are we being told on a daily basis that the Earth's temperature has increased over the last 60 years, let's say, or 20 years or whatever quote they use, by another half a degree, and by 2050, it'll be up another 1.5 degrees globally on average. Why are we being told that if it's not actually true? To make you obedient. That's why. To make you afraid. All doomsday stories are meant to make you afraid and to make you obedient and to make you open your wallet and give it to someone, give the stuff in it to someone else who is trying to scare you. It's no different than the little old man on a soapbox in Hyde Square telling you that the end is coming. The end is nigh. That's been a, a so statement. So if that's true, who's pulling these strings and why would they want to do it? I mean, what's the motivation behind lying to people if indeed it's part it of is? The, part of the human species hierarchy. It's the, it, it, it is the power structure of our species. We are a collective species. We're not just one each doing whatever we want. We are a very tightly knit society. And others, many other species are as well. But 
I, I wouldn't even compare us to other species. We're okay. so unique. Well, well let, let's get to the nub of what their argument is and, and the argument we're being told. And I'm not a, again, I'm not a scientist. So we're being told by constantly using fossil fuels, industry, um, waste, that we're producing carbon dioxide. That carbon dioxide is going into the atmosphere, basically insulating us, which is holding in the heat, which is heating up the atmosphere and heating up the ground temperature and the air temperature. Is there any element of truth in that? It is so slight that it should be ignored. The element of truth is that carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas, which is inappropriately named because a greenhouse is different than a greenhouse gas. A greenhouse is where you stop the heat from going out by having a structure over top of the ground. So it's not, it isn't the same meaning as a greenhouse. And as a matter of fact, greenhouse growers, if they're in business of growing food inside a greenhouse or flowers to inside a greenhouse, add CO2 to the greenhouse to make them grow better. We are in a point in time now where CO2 is so low, even with our additions, that it is not optimum for life. You see, every CO2 molecule that we are emitting into the atmosphere came from the atmosphere in the first place. All the fossil fuels are made from life. People don't seem to understand that. They think it's something from Mars. It's not. Coal is made from forests. Oil and gas are made from marine life that fell to the bottom and went into sediments and were lost. So the carbon that we are emitting to the atmosphere today is carbon that was lost from the atmosphere in the oceans eons ago over millions of years. CO2 is lower now than it has been for virtually the whole of the Earth's history. It was once 6,000 parts per million. It is now 400 plus. And at the low point, it went to 180 during the most recent glacial maximum, which people call the last ice age which it was, the, it was the most recent glacial maximum of 40 glacial maximums in the Pleistocene Ice Age. And we're still in the Pleistocene Ice Age. That's why there's so much ice on the poles. So, so, so are, you telling me that, are you telling me that climate scientists are correlating and not um, using facts to back up their argument? In other words, there's a correlation. I heard you mention before, by the way, the correlation between the sales of ice cream and the sales are, and shark attacks. Um, which yes. is just literally a correlation. When shark attacks go up, the sales of ice cream go up. doesn't necessarily mean that the two are intrinsically linked in some way, but maybe that's just because it's summertime. Are, are you suggesting then that some climate scientists are just correlating things? It's even worse than that. They're just plain lying because CO2 is now lower than it has been throughout most of life on the earth. The only time it was lower than it is now was before we started making it higher again. So we are basically the salvation of life. CO2 is the absolute essential for life, carbon-based life. That's life is carbon-based, period. And we are part of carbon-based life. If it wasn't for CO2, there would be no life. CO2 is the basis of life. And we have come along at an interesting time in the 4.6 billion year history of the earth, life began somewhere between 3.5 and 4 billion years ago. Uh, life didn't come on the land 
until about 400 million years ago. Uh, and then forests didn't exist until about 300 million years ago. I'm just using these rough figures. Uh, and when forests came, they increased the amount of biomass of life by a huge amount. If you look at a mountainside covered in trees and think about compared to the biomass of humans in London or uh, all of Ireland, for example, compare the biomass of humans, which are made of carbon, to the biomass of trees, which are made with carbon. All of a sudden, when forests emerged, and that's another whole science topic of what how forests emerged, but they did, they have most of the carbon in them, in all of life. And they turned into coal. The coal is made from trees and all the other vegetation in the forest, but the trees are, of course, 98% of the biomass in the forest. They turned into to, to, to coal. And we're burning the coal now and putting the CO2 back into the environment that the trees sucked up over hundreds of millions of years. And, 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 you, into... believe, and you believe that's more beneficial than it is detrimental. It's not just me. Every greenhouse grower purposely increases the CO2 level in their greenhouse to make things grow faster and make more food, make more flowers, whatever they're growing in there. And this is a, this is a fact. They buy it. They pay money for carbon dioxide or for materials that can produce CO2. Like if, if they buy natural gas, for example, mm -hmm. they burn it in their greenhouse to make CO2. That's how that's we're all being told that we better stop doing that or we're all going to die. But in fact, it makes the plants grow faster because we are at a poverty level of CO2 in the environment today on a global basis because life has sucked it out and put it into sediments. And I, I gave a lecture at the Global Warming Policy Foundation in 2015 in the fall. I was the, the, the keynote speaker there in which I showed how it is marine shell creatures like corals and clams and mussels and shellfish, in other words, that take carbon dioxide from the water and, and, and make it into calcium carbonate to make their shells, to protect themselves like knights in armor. If you, you, know, if you take a, a human being and put an armor plating on them, it makes them less susceptible to being stabbed in the heart. And the same is true of marine life. When multicellular marine life first emerged 540 odd million years ago, it was all like jellyfish. And they eventually learned to take carbon dioxide from the water and, and combine it with calcium to make calcium carbonate, which is what the shells of marine creatures are made of, including all the coral reefs. That's what their shells I are mean made of. When I look at the, that, the, the, the well, that, that caused CO2 to continuously decline through the ages from mm -hmm. 6,000 parts per million 500 million years ago to 180, from 6,000 to 180 during the most recent glacial maximum when the oceans were cooler and therefore absorbed more CO2 from the atmosphere. When they warm, they give it off. And why? I mean, okay, I, I'm not doubting for a minute. I'm not a scientist. You know a lot more about this. You've received awards, honors, everything for your intelligence 
um, in nuclear science, in all sorts of different sciences. So I know nothing about science. I'm taking what you're saying to me. But when you see so many of these scientists, and yes, I agree, people are being funded to say certain things, um, and that's deliberate corruption. But when you see so, so many other scientists, and I've talked to a few of them, and they seem very convinced, just like you are, very convinced that their theory is true and that the CO2 levels are rising and they'll quote high temperatures. Uh, like we broke a record here two years ago, for example, it was 34 degrees here in Ireland, which is a record for Ireland, by the way, can I point out. The last time we hit that kind of anywhere close to that was in around the 1930s. So what about these record temperatures that they're quoting over the last, particularly the last month or two, by the way, we have seen them across Europe. I mean, where do we go when well, you're saying it's getting colder, but yet we're seeing some record temperatures over the last few years? And they will claim more, um, you know, climate catastrophes. I don't believe that personally either, by the way. I think more people died in catastrophes 100 years ago than died now. Very few people die, thankfully, in climate catastrophes. But, they, you know, they blamed all the forest fires on climate change. Everything that happens in the world now is being blamed on climate change. And, and you're well aware of that. But explain to me, if it is getting cooler and we are at a point where the Earth is cooling down rather than heating up, why are we seeing some record temperatures? Because we are in the modern warm period, which started in 1600 approximately, and has continued to warm slightly since then. So if you want to talk about record temperatures for the last 400 years, yeah, we're, we're still warming slightly. But you'll find out that most of those record temperatures are in meteorological sites which are in cities the urban heat island effect is a true thing because when you build a whole concrete area it gets warmer than it when it was farmland and so we are trying a group of us about 40 scientists who are knowledgeable about this are trying to get a paper published in which we show that if you take the whole world's weather stations and take out the ones that are in cities, which weren't there when they started measuring temperatures or which weren't the size they are now mm -hmm. when they started measuring temperatures, take out all of the urban heat islands, it reduces the warming that's gone on in the last 400 years by 50%. And so there's a huge exaggeration in you, you know, a lot of weather stations are at airports, for example, which a hundred years ago had you know, like two airplanes at them and one tiny airstrip or even grass field. And now it's Heathrow, right? Don't you see how that would be warmer with all that concrete and all those jet emissions coming out and that's what they're doing. They're using those stations. So we have published, we, we are trying to publish a paper so far unsuccessfully with any decent science journal who are all now controlled by journalists. That used to be the science journals were controlled by scientists as to what got in them and what didn't. They're all controlled by people who would best be described as journalists, not scientists. It's a business the science publishing business. And they are publishing material, which we, we they won't publish us. 
And all we're doing is taking the whole world set of climate change figures and taking out the urban ones to show how it's the urban heat island effect that is the primary cause of global warming, as it's called. Yes, we know that the world has warmed slightly in the last 400 years, but going back to the that was called the Little Ice Age in 1600. Yeah, you're looking at the overall picture. The overall picture is, as far as you're concerned, if we go back further, is that it's cooling down. There was a time, of course, no, when... No, 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 it's not cooling down. No, it's no, been warming based for up, the last Based on what you were saying earlier on. It's, uh, it's been warming for the last 400 years, but not as much as they're saying, number one. And number two, they're eliminating the entire history of climate before 400 years ago. Why? The medieval okay. warm period. I was going to say, I was going to mention the medieval warm period. And I was also going to mention a time when in London and England, of course, the Thames during the winter was always frozen over. People used to skate on it. We've seen great artist depictions of people skating on the Thames. That doesn't happen anymore because it never gets that cold uh, during the winter. Well, it certainly hasn't been recently anyway. I mean... No, so 1813 was the last time the, the Thames froze over. I know the whole history of that. Yeah. And it, it, it froze over for 400 years in with with the peak being around 1600 the little ice age but before that there was the medieval warm period and before that there was the dark ages which were a cold period a thousand years mm -hmm. ad then then there was the roman warm period around the time well, of the, Christ. Well, the, well, I, I, and you know i i understand exactly because i know streets in london break for example like vine street are named after the fact that they used to grow grapes in London because it was a it was a much warmer place at the time. But if scientists know this, and they're not stupid, they know what you know, they know what I know, and I know it very little. So they know about you know the medieval warm periods. They know about the Roman times. They know about you know the towns being frozen over. They know how climate changes on a regular basis. Why are they still insisting and ignoring all of those facts? Completely ignoring all of that, and only taking into consideration the last fifty years. That seems to be what they constantly do all the time. And quote that to us, and you know we're all going to die. You heard the term "grifter" being used quite regularly. <laughs> yes, yeah. For John Kerry and all the jet, you know, the pri private jet people, uh, the biggest assemblage of private jets in the world is at the UN International Climate Change Meeting every year. And so, if you want to talk uh, about, uh, I, I, I just I can't imagine. I see. I, I've never had a boss um i've been independent all my life and yet they tell me i'm sold out to big oil and all that right and it there's no truth to that i've never been sold out to anybody I, I, my dad was the only boss i ever had in my life because i've been independent from the beginning and yet they say i'm sold out mm -hmm. to big oil they say that all the time because of my opinions and my beliefs and my truths but the the people who are saying whether it's John Kerry or Al Gore or Greta Thunberg, they are saying these things. They're not scientists. They're the spokespeople for all this. Um, they are the grifters. They are taking money to say these things in order to scare people to give their seniors power. And if you look at the situation in the United States politically today, with Biden and his son and all the rest of their family, you can see that is what's happening at the level of the climate situation well, too. 
Well, it's he said, I mean, Joe Biden. Corruption at the highest level. I mean, Joe Biden, as well as the Irish government, which have set targets for 2030 and 2050 to reduce CO2 emissions, yeah. uh, net zero, as they're calling it, for 2050. Joe Biden set an ambitious US goal to achieve carbon pollution-free power by 2035 and zero emissions by 2050, the net zero policy. Do you think we could achieve net zero? And if we did actually achieve net zero, would that actually have the opposite effect and be damaging? Net zero would mean the end of human civilization at this point. 84%, 83%, somewhere in there, of our uh, energy comes from fossil fuels. And we should be careful about that because the fossil fuels will not last forever. But we keep finding more and more of them every time somebody says it's, you know, it's, it's over. They find another huge trove of fossil fuels deeper in the earth or wherever. So there's still probably lots of fossil fuels, but it would be wise if we would reduce it from 82 to 84%. But do you know that since we started building wind and solar, fossil fuels have continued to be at that same percentage. It, wind and solar hasn't made the slightest dent in the amount of fossil fuels we we're using. It's still going up. It's not gone down. It's still going up, never mind level off. Well, the population so, of the world is going up, so the demand is going up anyway. It's the demand for energy is still going up. Yes, but we haven't been able to replace the fossil fuels. And if you make a law like net zero, which cannot even imaginably be, be, be reached, which cannot be reached, what will happen then? What will happen when people find out that it's a lie, that net zero is impossible because we are a carbon-based life form and all life is carbon-based and fossil fuels are part of that carbon and they were buried in the ground and in the sea millions and hundreds of millions of years ago and we are taking advantage of that legacy. I think, well, I think, I think they're carbon. net zero. They're, the net zero they talk about, of course, the ones who promote it, is to reduce it to net zero from industry, from pollution, uh, from the use of cars, the use of planes, to sustainable fuels. That's the yes. net zero they're talking about. Obviously, they're not talking about the natural world, you know, and what's produced naturally in the world. There's nothing we can oh, do no, about it. but it's that. the end of human civilization for sure if we went to net zero. There's no doubt about it. Three quarters of the people would die for beginners, right, would die. They, they have made a policy which cannot be achieved in any way whatsoever from any scientific perspective. It's a complete lie. And please quote me on that. It is a complete lie because it's, it's total BS. The only way to get us ourselves off of fossil fuels as the primary source of energy for human civilization is nuclear energy and more hydroelectric. But hydroelectric is restricted in that you need water and topography. You need both mountains and lots of rain. Mm -hmm. And Saudi Arabia doesn't work very well for that. And many other parts of the Listen, world. The nuclear power is cheap. There isn't a lot of pollution. There isn't a lot of waste. Although the fear, I suppose, we have with nuclear power is, you know, that we end up with another Chernobyl or another disaster similar to Japan. people have been killed by nuclear energy. 
But how many? Yeah, but how many people have been damaged by radiation? What what damage do you have? They had, do they have scars? No, I'm talking about uh, Chernobyl. How many people were sick after Chernobyl? How many people died? Uh, you know, who didn't live as long as they should. I, by the way, I'm not I'm not oh, against oh, nuclear power no, no, no. at all. I'm just saying, isn't this isn't this what prevents us going down the road that France went down, which they have a nuclear power station on every every street corner? But the the, the reason we, that most countries won't go down that route is because of fear that people have this yes, fear, fear of nuclear power. Falsely, falsely induced fear. More, way more people die from fossil fuels than from nuclear energy, like hundreds of times more from it because it's fire. Fire is is one of the most dangerous things there is in the whole world. People die in house fires. People die in, in, in grass fires. People die in forest fires. Why do we allow fire? It, it I be, mean, they, they, they talk about, when we talk about nuclear power, even if it's mentioned, they say, oh, well, it'll take 10 years to set up a nuclear power plant. It'll be 15 years before we get it up and running. You know, there's an yeah, urgency. The we need to... that's been created falsely. There's, yeah, but, but they, they tell us there's an urgency that we got to do this right now. This is what we were told in the news last night. This has to happen yeah. now. You know, and, so and build nuclear plants now. And, and many places are. Russia, China, and India are all full bore on nuclear power right now. And France is coming back to it. And that's what the future requires. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Nuclear energy is the only way to reduce fossil fuel use. And I don't, I'm, not, I'm the only reason I'm against, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the only reason I'm in favor of reducing fossil fuels is because they are limited. And, and at our peril, we use them up before mm -hmm. we have figured out what to do next. But Nuclear energy is virtually limitless. People are so de-educated about nuclear energy and scared of it for no reason whatsoever. Three Mile Island killed no one. Fukushima killed no one. Well, two people died in, of the tsunami at Fukushima because it washed them away. But no one died from radiation at Fukushima. It was just a big, ugly industrial accident that was stupid in the first place because they put it in the wrong place and then they did all the wrong things after the tsunami hit and well, well, people did die in chernobyl and many and many people yes, the firefighters many people, the firefighters well, I, 56 I, firefighters died and many people's people lives were, were short trying to put the fire out and they but were many, right next to the okay but, I, but yeah but you can't deny obviously patrick many people's lives were shortened uh, by the the no, radiation and the fallout no yeah. evidence of that after Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the United States and Japan created the Nuclear Radiation Research Foundation. I think I've got that right, but it's something like that. And they have been studying 120,000 people who survived, who were there when the bomb went off, and another 20,000 who lived in Hiroshima and Nagasaki and were away. They are the control group, right? There is virtually no difference between their life expectancies the people who were radiated if you didn't die it didn't mean you died younger once your body heals itself the body has a cellular repair mechanism our bodies are being challenged every day by chemicals in the environment by sunshine and by all kinds of things that can harm us but radiation so poisoning when, is a thing. When we get a sunburn when we get a sunburn immediately our body begins to repair it 
as long as you don't go back in the sun again course, yeah. every day. Yeah, but but you're not so, you're not you're not denying that radiation poisoning is a thing. Of course not. No. So is so is water poisoning. If you fall in the water and breathe it in, it kills you. Oxygen can kill you. Getting right? back to <laughs> getting back to where we are now, it doesn't look like it's going to stop because during right. COVID, during the middle of COVID, what's going to stop? Well, during the middle of COVID, we saw the same yeah. thing. It's almost like, and I don't know if, you know, I'm a, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't know if governments of the world are colluding together in some bigger plan. But it almost feels like a runaway train. And if anybody puts their hand out to try and slow it down, you're dismissed or you're cancelled. And, you know, you said yourself that you've been cancelled on numerous occasions. Uh, and not I've seen it in the media here in Ireland. That. I haven't actually said that. I haven't said that I've been canceled. Okay, I, I, I'm independent, so I I, I can't be canceled. Okay, well, oh, when I, I say you're, you, have you ever been prohibited from speaking? No, banned from speaking anywhere at a college or anything else because of your views. Well, I, I've probably not been invited because of my views. Oh, okay. But I've never, okay, I've never been banned after I'd been invited. Oh, okay, okay. But this is, but isn't this what happens invariably? That anybody who doesn't go along with this runaway train uh, of climate change and you're responsible, in other words, we're responsible as human beings, you're cancelled or you're blinded or you're silenced or you lose your job or you won't get your funding or that's what's happening, isn't it? Yes, but the other side of that coin is the most important one. If you do comply, you are rewarded with government money. And that's where 80% in the United States, where I know the statistic, in the United States, 80% of all science is done in universities. Virtually all that money is your money. Virtually all of it is coming from politicians through their bureaucrats and their bureaucratic structures, the deep state and all of that. That's where the money's coming from. So therefore you have this absolutely massive propaganda machine pumping all this crap out about the end of the world and et cetera, right? That's what's going on. So that's the important part. The fact that people are being canceled for denying that, oh, the deniers, mm -hmm. right? For saying it's not true uh, is, is less important than the fact that all these hundreds of thousands of so-called scientists, you know, how do you get to call yourself a scientist, right? It's not as if they are magicians right a magician is actually a real thing that can do magic on stage and you know fool your eyes create an illusion but, but this yes. is an illusion sometimes but uh, the, the word scientist like no one ever calls me a scientist in the media right because i'm a denier which is the opposite of a scientist apparently so the the the, the it, it it's like you know does, does that way, frustrate you does it because you're such a knowledgeable person and you've got a lot of qualifications and you've got a lot of knowledge when it comes to all this, does it frustrate you when you have your own views on it and other people have theirs that you're not, when I say you're not listened to, but you're, well, you're called a denier or you're ignored by those who believe they're better than you because they have a different view that agrees with the worldview? Does I that don't frustrate see it you? As a world, does it frustrate Western... you? Western worldview, 
uh, Russia, China, India, South Asia, all of Africa, all of South America, that they just, some of them go along with it in order to, you know, try to stay friends. But uh, no, most of these, most of the countries in the world do not go along with it. And the odd thing is, <clears throat> excuse me, the odd thing is that Canada, for example, is the coldest country in the world and Sweden's not far behind. And that's where the big noise is right in these countries that are colder the warm countries generally are not uh messiacal about this whole global warming thing brazil for example i mean it's a political issue but that's about it and it's not the overriding subject whereas canada whose average temperature is minus 5.3 degrees celsius because we have all these arctic islands and things mm -hmm. we are like zealots on climate change we want to make sure it doesn't get any warmer and it's minus five degrees celsius de average temperature in this country that i'm in i'm in one of the warmest parts of it and it's cold here in the winter so it, it the whole thing is completely illogical nonsensical and also untrue the whole but, idea but you know but you know it's going to continue you know it's not going to well, stop because you know people like you and people like me level, yes. it's won't be believed. Level because it makes money. It is an industry. The climate change industry is what it is. It has nothing to do with science. Nothing. Do you believe the social only... media? Do you mean social media? Because social media obviously plays a huge role in this now. We've had, yes. in the past, we've had politicians and other people you know, called the end of the world on numerous occasions over the last 50 years of my life, but they didn't really get anywhere. But now, of course, with social media, you've got this mass audience uh, who will all agree with you or disagree with you, as the case may be. Um, do you believe social media has played a huge role in how this has become, out of all the different doomsday predictions over the last 50 years, this particular one has become so prominent? No, it's just a gossip column in that sense. Uh, the, the real nub of this thing is in the power structures. The World Economic Forum, for example, is a giant conspiracy at a political level to convince everybody that we should just end elections and democracy completely and do what they say and fly around in their private jets. Uh, that this, this, this is the truth of what's going on in the world today is that there is a giant power grab occurring and it's working because of the mass media largely. Uh, if you look, but I'm on Twitter and I have a lot of followers and I, I enjoy doing it because I'm helping give people information that is accurate rather than a bunch of scare stories. And the, But the truth of the matter is there is a conspiracy at the highest level in the world. And John Kerry and Al Gore and Greta Thunberg are the missionaries of that movement. Do you think they're being uh, used? Do you, do you think they're being used? I mean, I can't imagine a 16-year-old schoolgirl from Sweden, you know, was part, well, initially part of a plan. Um, obviously, she came out with a theory and seemed to steal the hearts of the young people around the world who listened to her. Um, yeah, she was you're in, not, you're she was correct. You're, you're not being used if you go along with it. Mm -hmm. You're being used if you're being coerced. But if you if if you go along with it, then you're part of the conspiracy, not just being used by the conspiracy. 
Final question. So we, yes. um, where do you see us in 20 years' time? What sort of world will we live in? Will it be... Niels Bohr received the Nobel Prize in Physics back in the 1800s, and he coined the very wise phrase, predictions are difficult, especially about the future. And Yogi Berra repeated that and became the person who's known for having said it, but that was in the 30s, mm -hmm. 1930s. It was Niels Bohr, a Nobel Prize winning physicist, who first said, predictions are difficult, especially about the future. And the reason they're difficult is because the future is created in eventually created by non-linear phenomenon, which are multivariant. In other words, the climate has hundreds of factors to go into the equation. They are non-linear. And most importantly, it is chaotic. Chaotic is a term in science that means unpredictable. Well, you, when you have a boat, when you have a boat going through the ocean slowly, the water goes nice and smoothly beside the bow. There's no ripples hardly. But as soon as you speed up, it starts to become turbulent. Turbulent is another term meaning chaotic. You cannot predict turbulence with an equation. So if you have a plane going through the air, creating turbulence in the air, you cannot make an equation to predict the, the motion of the air being caused by the jet going through it. So the truth about the future is that it is not possible to predict it because it is beyond mathematics and science. It is we, chaotic. Okay, we can't predict the future when it comes to climate. And we can't predict how what the earth is going to be like. But we could we try can. and we we could try and predict the politics. And that that's the basic that's the point I'm trying to make. When we I see what's happening that, now, I mean, where do you see us as human beings, you know, our citizens, that's probably a better word, as citizens of countries? Do you see a situation where air travel will be stopped, where we will have to pay green credits or something like that on a regular basis to fly once a year. We'd be limited to a certain amount of hours of air travel. We won't be allowed to drive cars on a Tuesday or a Sunday. Do you see rules like that being implemented across Europe in particular? At the risk of seeming uh, uh, stupid, uh, because I cannot predict the future, I cannot predict the future. And no one can. No one could have ever predicted that we would pass laws demanding that people stop using fossil fuels completely, right? Ending the use of fossil fuels, net zero. They, they, they used net zero because they were pretending that you could actually <clears throat> still use fossil fuels and have net zero. Like we could sequester all the CO2 and put it in a bucket or bury it underground somewhere. It's all BS. The net zero means ending fossil fuel use pretty much 99%. It's not gonna happen. If it did happen, civilization would die completely. And so be, beware all of these predictions and all of these people telling you that they know what the future has because they don't.
None of us do, and we could never know it. That is the beauty in a way <clears throat> of reality. This, this, this earth is so complex, this universe, never mind just this earth, but th this universe is so complex, and we have no idea. People keep predicting things, and the end of the world is one of the main things they keep predicting. Mm. They have no way of knowing that. You, we, we cannot know the future. So essentially, so essentially, these so-called clever people are no different to the guy who stood in the middle of the street 60 years ago with a sandwich board on him saying the end is nigh. They're no Precisely. cleverer than he is. <laughs> that is absolutely the case. No doubt about it. And if people can't see that, then they're victims. Don't be a victim of the lies that are being told to you about what's happening now and about what's going to happen in the future. Because if we wanted to, end this fear if we ended the fear it would be a much better world because there's no reason for it we're all going to die there's no doubt about that right and and that's the great irony of this whole thing we are all going to die we don't know when exactly but it's going to happen within mm -hmm. the next hundred years <laughs> no matter how young you are pretty much <laughs> yeah. there's the octogenarians there's a few of them but yeah. they're going to die too and uh, and and it, it it's not always going to be pleasant. So like let's just deal with the things we actually know rather than all this fake stuff. Because read my book, Fake Invisible Catastrophes and Threats of Doom, available I was on just Amazon. Gonna, I was just going to mention it. So yeah, it was out in 2021. It's on Amazon, and it's called Fake Invisible Catastrophes and Threats of Doom. There, it, there, is, there, there is the book here. The placard has a sign saying, you will perish in flames, which is from Ghostbusters. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's a truth. Yeah. It's the truth. Well, you might not perish in flames, but uh, you'll perish one way or the other. And uh, I'm not looking forward to it, no. but I know it's true. So stick with what you know is true rather than all the rumor mongering about the climate change killing the earth because it's BS from stem to stern. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you and a very interesting conversation and one which will cause many debates across pubs in Ireland um, when, when people see it. So, listen, thank you very much indeed. I appreciate you, Patrick Moore. Thank you for coming on the show today and talking to us. And good luck to you and continued success in your, your career, your long career. Thank you, Neil. I've, I've enjoyed the discussion. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms. <laughs>